Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm here with my wonderful wife, Michelle. Hello. Thank you, baby. So good to have you with us once again. We are recording this episode on Sunday, December 9th, 2018, and we're getting to you a little bit earlier today, maybe a couple hours earlier than we normally put this out. That's because we're getting ready to head up to the Walt Disney Studios in Burbank to... Check out D23's Light Up the Season event tonight. Cannot wait. We went last year. It was so much fun and really gets you in the spirit of Christmas. And this year we have cooler weather, so that even puts it over the top. Yeah, when they actually snows out there, right. it fit more than the <laughs> right. last year when it was like in the 70s when we were out there. So, True. Of course, all these people that are listening to us across the country are like, yeah, suffer out there, right, in Southern <laughs> California. I'm sure you're really having a tough time of it. Uh, but it's going to be fun tonight. We're looking forward to it, and we will be posting a lot of that stuff on social media, a lot of pictures from it. And uh, if you happen to be going out to the event as well, uh, we'd love to hear from you out there there. Uh, thanks for finding us today. In the future, you can find us on 1057max.com under the Max Plus tab, as well as on the Max FM app. And you can also find us and subscribe to us. We really appreciate all of those of you who subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe to us and we come right to your phone, right to your device. Whenever we have a new episode, if it's a little early like today, if it's a little late, uh, like we've done on other days, it, you'll just know exactly when our new episode comes out and you can download us right away. And we appreciate all of you. I always get excited whenever we look and see those of you who are very happy to hear that we have a new podcast out and download us immediately. Right, right. And we love to hear from people as well. And we love to hear the uh, the great ideas that people have shared, especially like last week when we did our top five. And I know we're going to be doing some more in the future. So please, please make sure you're connecting with us too. That's absolutely right. We are an interactive show and we love hearing from you. Uh, you can always contact us on Twitter. We're at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at Hyperion. Hyperion Adventures Podcast, and you can always email us at Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Lots of stuff for you today. Uh, there were two new Marvel movie trailers that dropped this week. Wow. Big news there. Yep. Uh, there's a groundbreaking new attraction coming to uh, t- the Tokyo Disneyland Resort, right. and there's a couple of uh, dates for special events coming to the Disneyland Resort that were released this week. So, yeah, exciting. Yeah. But before we get to those, let's get to our main topic of the week. We're going to continue building up to Mary Poppins Returns, which comes out in just a couple weeks now, actually less than that, about 10 days from now. Um, And we're going to look back at the original classic masterpiece, Mary Poppins. Which is so exciting. And just so people understand, that's partly because we can't talk about the original, I mean, excuse me, the new one that came out yet. We're still in the embargo. But uh, thinking about it and reflecting on the original movie where it all started is fun. Our preparations for today's show was fun doing that. We've watched the movie a couple times now, so. <laughs> That's <laughs> I think, right. I think no, we're Dawn, ready. We had, to, we had to twist our arms behind our back and watch the original Mary Poppins a couple of times just to be ready for this episode. But It's a great movie. It is a great movie, <laughs> and uh, we will be telling you more about the upcoming movie in next week's episode, as well as, if you can't wait until we talk about it on this show, we were going to be releasing a review, a movie review for it on WDW News Today. 
Uh, the embargo lifts on Wednesday, that's the 12th of December at noon Eastern time, 9 of course, 9 a.m. Pacific time, and we will should have our review out right about that time. So uh, if you don't want to wait for us, you can go ahead and read it there, but we'd appreciate it if you listen to the podcast as well. We'll probably get even more in-depth into it on next week's podcast. Absolutely. In fact, can't wait to talk about we it. We can't wait. we got a lot to say. <laughs> We've got a lot to say. But first, let's get to a look back at the original Mary Poppins. Winds in the east, mist coming in, like something is brewing, about to begin. Can't put me finger on what lies in store, but I feel what's to happen, all happened before. Now, about my wages, the reference here is very obscure. Very obscure. We must be very clear on that point, mustn't we? Yes, we must indeed. I shall require every second Tuesday off. It's a jolly holiday with Mary. No wonder that it's Mary that we love. Head up, Michael. Don't slouch. Just as I thought. Extremely stubborn and suspicious. <laughs> no, you're not, Michael. We are not a codfish. Step in line, step in line, step in line, step in line. Never you leave the never you mind, step in line, step in line. How about you? Very well, hold this for me. As I expected, Mary Poppins practically perfect in every way. So let's get into it. Mary Poppins, the classic. It came out originally in 1964. It was actually released four different times in the United States. 1964, it was so popular they released it again the next year, 1965. Also again in 73. And once again in 1980, all those times, it was at least within the top 30 grossing movies of those respective years. So that's pretty amazing for something that was originally... Produced in, like you said, 1964, and so pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yes, absolutely. It would have made an estimated $450 million if adjusted to what we would get at the box office right now. That's more than what The Lion King made, and that's more than what Finding Nemo made at the box office. So you can see how big a hit it was, considering that you know ticket prices about that time were about a buck fifty for adults, seventy-five cents for children when this movie came out. You know, you can just think about how many people actually saw this movie. They estimated it's around two hundred million people went and saw this film. Right. And then it became really popular when it was released on well back in the days on VHS and then DVD and now Blu-ray, still mm-hmm. very popular. Yes, it became the first movie that was widely released both on VHS by Disney and on DVD by Disney. That's how big this movie is, was for the Disney Studios. It earned 13 Academy Award nominations, won five of those, and it's the only Walt Disney movie that ever earned a Best Picture nomination while during Walt's lifetime. Yeah, how sweet. Yeah, and you know, yeah. he loved this movie with all of his heart. He tried for, gosh, nearly 30 years to get this movie made and finally uh, got it done, and uh, what a great movie it was. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, like how it all kind of unfolded. It, like you said, it took kind of forever, but um, it was interesting to hear that the the book, the Mary Poppins book, was originally sent to Walt by the publishers and that he just gave it to his daughter, Diane, and wasn't really involved in it right away until she kind of, you know, brought it to his attention. 
Yeah, uh, and then eventually he was like, hey, we got to do something with this. Tried for many years to get something done with uh, the author P.L. Travers, and uh, finally she acquiesced uh, in the 60s, along as she had say, a consulting uh, on the script, this final script approval, consulting on the movie itself, and that eventually uh, came to the movie that we know and love. Now, for today's episode, we're not going to go shot for shot for the film, but we're going to go follow the timeline, basically, and kind of break down, point out some of the key points of this movie. Uh, that way, if you rewatch, it. By the way, you should rewatch this before Mary Poppins Returns comes out. I'm not saying you have to. You can, you may have, don't. I, I think Mary Poppins Returns. One thing I'll just say about the movie that I'll say right now is that you don't need to see this movie to watch Mary Poppins Returns. But I would suggest it. Right. And the other thing um, I found interesting in talking to some of my friends is there are a lot of people out there that are assuming this is a remake of mm. the original Mary Poppins. And just to clarify, we can't say too much more, but it, that is not true. It's yeah. it's a different storyline. And if you've seen movie. the trailers, you see that the, the Banks kids are adults now. But it is interesting. It was interesting to me to hear so many people think that it was just a remake. But, I, I mean, that makes sense. There's a lot of remakes of movies and, you know... Disney obviously is getting into that with a lot of live action remakes of some of their cartoons, so or animated classics. So I could understand why people would be misinformed. Yeah, and that. the original Mary Poppins came out 54 years ago now. I mean, there's a lot of people that haven't seen the original Mary Poppins. It hasn't been released right. in theaters, like I said, since 1980. And of course, you can always find it uh, streaming somewhere or DVD, VHS, whatever. But uh, it's not like it's it's out there regularly. I don't I don't even remember ever seeing it on TV recently, or like running on uh, Freeform or ABC. Oh, or yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. it. I, I actually think that Disney would do itself some favors to, you know, come up with a, you know, uh, you know, a wide world of Disney or whatever, uh, you know, wonderful world of Disney on right. Saturday night at ABC and before Mary Poppins Returns comes out, uh, have a showing of the original Mary Poppins, but it doesn't look like at this point they're going to do it, but uh, I think that would be a good idea for them. Anyway, uh, let's get to the actual movie Mary Poppins. Uh, the film opens up, they're at the park at the end of Cherry Tree Lane, and of course we finally meet Bert. Bert is doing as a one-man band and it shows Dick Van Dyke in all his... Oh, physical comedy <laughs> skills out there doing the one man band. It's uh, it's a lot of fun, and he also breaks the fourth wall right at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> talking right to the audience out there. You know, going welcoming him in. Oh, well, you're here to see what? We're going where? Oh, yeah, sure, Seventeen Cherry Tree Lane. I can lead you right to it. So he takes you down to uh, Seventeen Cherry Tree Lane. Yes, and you know, Bert. I have to say, I know the movies about Mary Poppins. Lover, love Julie Andrews, but Dick Mint. Dick Van Dyke, I am such a huge fan of his and just love what he brings to the table in this show. Absolutely. And then we're going to get much more into that as we move along. The only thing about Bert is that darn terrible Cockney accent he tries to pull off, which is not very good. But because Dick Van Dyke is so wonderful and so lovable, I think you look past it mostly in uh, this movie. So anyway, Bert uh, introduces us to uh, what what is Cherry Tree Lane, some of the uh, inhabitants there, as well as... Like uh, Admiral Boom, we get to meet Admiral Boom as we're going by, and you'll uh, hear more about Admiral Boom as we go on. Uh, and uh, then we reach uh, 17 Cherry Tree Lane. Well, can I back up just sure. a second? One of the things that um, people might not realize is at the opening scene when um, Bert is singing with playing the accordion and the harmonica and drum, etc., and he's naming different people that are around um, that he's entertaining, those were all characters 
from the original Mary Poppins stories. So they were neighbors or friends related to the the, the stories. Like even Miss Persimmons at the beginning, um, he mentions her. She's the the housekeeper for Uncle Albert that comes ah. lay up later on. But yeah, so it, it's nice that they they paid homage to some of those characters, even though they don't really develop them much throughout this movie. They were from the original Mary Poppins story. So yeah. it's nice that the, the Walt Disney Company pulled them in. If you don't know, and we didn't, we actually didn't read any of the books. We've only watched the movie and we've taken up on some notes on the movie. Uh, Mary Poppins, the movie itself, is taken out of a bunch of different stories, Mary Poppins stories, and kind of put together. Bert is actually, uh, he has a smaller part in one of the stories, but they kind of have thrown him into various different parts to allow him to fulfill throughout this movie. So uh, it's kind of a Mary Poppins is really kind of a based on Mary Poppins. It's kind of everything put together into one final story to make it a complete movie as opposed to a bunch of different kind of Mary Poppins stories. Right, right. And in fact, the um, animators were, you know, finding it somewhat challenging or I guess even the director that it it didn't really, in the books, there's a lot of little, I guess, vignette type of stories. Um, and for a movie, they wanted to try to come up with a, a theme that would, you know, tie everything together. So that was an interesting aspect of it, that they didn't take like a, a full-on book and mm-hmm. write a script to it. Yeah, exactly. So we get to the end of 17 Cherry Tree Lane and we enter the house. And once again, apparently this happens often, <laughs> the children are missing. Uh, <laughs> it happens all the time. We, we hear from Katie Nana that it's the fourth time this week that the children have gone missing. So uh, we meet the staff, Mrs. Brill, who's the cook, Ellen, who's the housekeeper. And as I just mentioned, Katie Nana is fed up with it all, <laughs> done, and she's leaving. We also meet uh, Mrs. Banks, Winifred Banks, played by Glenn. Glennis Johns. Uh, she is part of the suffragette movement. Uh, she's out there trying to stir up women's votes in uh, Great Britain. And so she comes back in and after this movement is trying to get things together. And she finds this issue of the that once again, their nanny is leaving. I take it that this is not the first nanny that has left. <laughs> right. It seems like it's been a few of them. <laughs> and, it, um, you know, sounds like uh, the kids kind of maybe persuade some of their nannies to yes. leave. <laughs> they see, we'll go over that too. They seem to have some ideas of how to get rid of uh, some of their nannies when they're not exactly their favorites uh, out there. But interesting, we were talking about uh, Winifred Banks and her suffragette thing mm-hmm. is that she is so big out there and she's, you know, women's votes, we're fighting for this. This person got arrested. Yay, we're going to go sing in front of the, the jail where all our compatriots are there, you know. But when Mr. Banks comes home, it's like, no, hide all that stuff. You know, I don't want any part of that in the house. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition that she's putting right, there. Right, right, right. And she even sings and says that in the in the storyline, too, that, uh, you know, you know Mr. Banks doesn't like the movement. <laughs> so upset with the cause. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then, speaking of Mr. Banks, Mr. George Banks, played by David Tomlinson, arrives home, finds the children are missing. Oh, great. Here we go again. They need to find a new nanny. Oh, that's another thing on his plate. He's so excited to get, I mean, he likes his home. He sings about it. You know, I come home. Everything is like this. I'm this at this at this at the time, this time at this time, this time. Uh, so this is all throwing him for a loop. Uh, the children are, are found. Are you Mr. Banks? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> creature of habit. Yeah, I am such a creature of habit. If things throw me off, oh, I'm in, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble, definitely. Sorry I'm about a mess. That. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. I'm such a creature of habit. It's a mess. Uh, so the children are found by the local constable, played by Arthur Treacher. Uh, Jane Banks, who's played by Karen Dotrice, she's eight years old when she films this movie. Michael Banks is played by Matthew Garber, who is seven years old when they film this movie. Uh, Mr. Banks goes on by placing an ad in the Times for a new nanny. However, the children 
have a different idea for what they want for their nanny. Wanted a nanny for two adorable children. Adorable. Well, that's debatable, I must say. If you want this choice position, have a cheery disposition. Jane, I don't... Rosy cheeks, no warts. That's the part I put in. Play games, all sorts. You must be kind, you must be witty. Very sweet and fairly pretty. What if all the ridiculous... take us on outings, give us treats. Sing songs, bring sweets. Never be cross or cruel. Never give us castor oil or glue. Love us as a son and daughter, and never smell of barley water. I put that in too. If you won't scold and dominate us, we will never give you cause to hate us. We won't hide your spectacles so you can't see. Put toots in your bed or pepper in your tea. Hurry, nanny. Many thanks. Sincerely. Jane and Michael. Thanks. So basically what they did right there is they just sang that they want Mary Poppins to be their, right. their uh, nanny coming up here because it pretty much described her to a T. We also hear about the, some of the things they may, she, they may have done to other nannies in the past that might have drawn them off. We also heard about Katie Nana, who apparently did smell of barley water, we <laughs> right. found out. So, uh, very interesting. Um, by the way, an interesting story that we found out about this song at the, the D23 Expo uh, last year was that uh, uh, Karen Dotrice uh, spoke to us at uh, she was at one of the events and she mentioned singing this song and when she got this song at eight years of age, um, she was practicing at home. She was practicing in a big like Broadway style, you know, singing it very proper <laughs> and you know how I mean eight year old of course, but singing it very proper and a big you know Broadway number or whatever. Like no no no. When she got there, like we want you to sing this just like an eight year old would kind of just sing songy these lines or whatever. And so right. this is what this this song turned into. You know the kids just kind of uh, walking, kind of talk singing through it. Right, which is brilliant. It really was perfect way to present it totally makes sense yeah uh so the of course the banks wake up the next morning after this uh, by the way mr banks tears up this song he's so fed up he's like whatever (laughs) this is ridiculous he throws it in the throws it in the fireplace we see the pieces of paper rise up and uh disappear through the chimney uh they wake up the next morning and there is a line of prospective nannies outside the house by the way another thing we found out that the line of prospective nannies one they they weren't exactly the prettiest people in the world. Well, many of the reasons why they weren't the prettiest people in the world, because many of them were stuntmen right. <laughs> dressed up as nannies. Well, especially since they were going to have to have them fly away, you know, they uh, they ended up using stuntmen who could do that and have all the, the cables and wiring and be familiar with how to, to maneuver that way. So. Yeah, so it totally makes sense as to sure. why they needed to do that. Uh, so, yes, they fly away and enter Mary Poppins, played by Julie Andrews. She floats onto the scene. 
Right, which is um, another interesting thing. If you notice, even from that scene where she's floating in and she has her her toes spread apart uh, in that kind of format, and that actually came also from the books, and that Julie Andrews noted that in from reading the books herself, and as much as possible tried to take that pose with her feet. So a little tidbit there. Yeah, the, uh, not only the pose with her feet, but also that she noticed that in the, the uh, illustrations of Mary Poppins, she kind of flew at an angle. Oh, yeah, that's so right. So you kind yeah. of see that her her arm is kind of out sideways with the umbrella and kind of her back is hitched. That That's because of the angle that Mary Poppins flies in a lot of the illustrations. Right. So it's great to see how Julie Andrews really, you know, embraced the whole aspect of the original story as right. well. So. so by the way, Julie Andrews uh, originally got this role, originally they were thought that she was going to be in the uh, the film version of My Fair Lady. That role, however, was taken up by Audrey Hepburn. So once Audrey Hepburn took that role, she was freed up Julie Andrews to play Mary Poppins. Another thing that was a hitch in uh, Julie Andrews playing Mary Poppins is that when she was first cast for the role, or at least being considered to be cast for the role, she was pregnant at the time. Uh, so she was concerned that like, I can't I'm going to be having a child soon I can't film this role right now they said we'll put it on hold we'll delay until after you have your child and she filmed it after having that's how much they liked her in this role right. it was after she had the child that she finally was able to uh, be Mary Poppins it was also interesting to note that Walt um, when he saw her performing one of the things that he liked about her was her whistling yes which plays a role into this movie as well yes in just a second here we'll mention that uh, so she pops in takes immediate charge at the household, basically does her own hiring, convinces George Banks, Mr. Banks, to hire her herself. Then she goes upstairs and takes immediate control of the children, has them clean up their room. She's a tricky one, that one. (laughs) Uh, And that's when we find a spoonful of sugar, which ends up being Mary Poppins' theme song. That's right, that's right. And um, in it, as we were talking about Walt's interest in her ability to whistle, is she's singing the song and a bird comes to to lay rest on her finger. And uh, again, tying everything together, the bird is, you know, using the newest technology at that time, which was the Disney's audio animatronics. Um, But... Actually, Julie Andrews had to wear a lot of cabling and everything underneath her clothing in that scene to be able to get this to all work out. And when you hear the bird whistling while she's singing, that is actually Julie Andrews' voice whistling. Yes, that is is Julie Andrews' whistle. Yes. (laughs) It's one of the things that uh, Walt liked about her is that not only did she have a great singing voice and she was very pretty, but she also had a wonderful whistle. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, so yes, and uh, Spoonful of Sugar of one not only becomes Mary Poppins' theme song, but it is a very key song, and we're going to revisit that later. It's going to come up many times throughout this movie, but especially near the end, it's an important piece of the movie. Right. And in that scene where they're cleaning up the nursery, they're using a lot of new um, filming techniques on how to make that happen and, and look very magical. And, you know, spoiler, one of the ways is that actually they pushed things down and made things up. Are you just talking about a spoiler for a 54-year-old movie? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we've gotten past the point of spoiler. I know, this right I now. know. But, you know, that they actually filmed it by knocking things over, doing everything in reverse, and then... Right in the film, they reverse it so it's all coming together clean. So, and also they did some stop motion things as well to do right, that. Right, right. Yes, um, which 
talk about meticulous uh, filming techniques. Now, the visual effects uh, were spectacular in this movie for the time. Uh, we're going to get into that more as well right. in just a little bit here, but uh, amazing stuff. So with the room cleaned up, Mary Poppins and the children head out on their first outing. And again, we meet Bert. This time, by the way, this is another key uh, topic that keeps coming up and over again. Bert has many, many jobs. Yes. He is constantly doing something different. Uh, this time, he's a screever. If you don't know what a screever is, screever is basically a sidewalk chalk artist. Uh, but although apparently in Great Britain, they're not known as sidewalks. So they didn't call it, they, like, uh, they called it like a chalk pavement picture or something like that. Right. But he's a screever is what he is. And it, that comes up in the song. Uh, it's kind of a version of uh, Chim Chim Cheree. Uh, with him talking as right, a, a right. artist. Uh, so the whole group sees these pictures and they end up jumping into one of the pictures and that we get to the Jolly Holiday scene, which is my favorite scene in the entire movie. I don't know it, about you. What do you think of it? Uh, I love that scene. I think um, the chimney sweeps is probably, yeah. what I would put that as my favorite. This is kind of my second, oh, a close tie. You know me with the A and B Um selections but yeah it's a great scene a lot of meticulous detail to making it um look so beautiful and so fun that who wouldn't want to be there who yep. wouldn't want to be a part of that chalk picture <laughs> chalk pavement picture. yes uh yeah it's it's really great the artwork and the effects the animation throughout it uh, it's masterful uh i mean i was just talking about the visual effects this won the academy award that year for visual effects. Peter Ellen Shaw, the matte artist. If you go back oh, and watch God. this film, look, most of the film is matte painting. There's very few sets in this. They never go outside. It's almost entirely matte painting around there, and they're beautiful. They're stunning. The matte paintings are gorgeous. In oh, this yeah. So realistic looking, and it, it, you know, really can't tell where reality ends and the and the artwork happens you know just like uh in the bank scenes too where you know it looks like these very tall rooms and and that's all artwork that it's you know they've they've you know colored in or you know drew in this you know the high ceiling sometimes it's like pretty that. obvious sometimes it's right. not so much there's like some trees you're like is that a real tree is that a right a, a matte painting sees. tree it's 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 pretty interesting to watch uh peter ellen shaw also did things for disney like Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea treasure island old yeller many many disney films he did matte paintings for if you don't know what a matte painting is it's essentially what it was back in the day before we had all the cgi and could put all this stuff in to give this these backdrops is that they've shoot a uh something on the set uh, basically where the actors were. And then, you know, it would be a scene and like a lot of the buildings or the the sets or whatever, they weren't right. built up all the way to the top, not to the roofs or whatever. So then they would show this, they would paint on glass the backdrop and that would be a painting. The artwork would be the painting and then they would just have the actual movie, the, the actual live footage within this painting shot in the middle of it. It's really an interesting process back in the day of how they did things. Right, really, really, really creative and, you know, different you know from mm -hmm. what nowadays it's you know i don't want to say it's easy filming but it is you know different in the ability to use computers nowadays and back then that they didn't have that obviously available right. it was much tougher to make things look as realistic because of the fact that they can't have things moving it's a painting essentially so it, you know right. they can only do so much with it all that they did amazing jobs uh with like some smoke in the uh, chimney tops, uh, a few other things, some sparkling lights, uh, some other things that made them, that made the, these paintings actually kind of come to life. Also, uh, I want to give you Stace Lissette and Hamilton Lusk uh, their due because they also won the Academy Award along with Peter Ellen Shaw for the visual effects for this movie. Anyway, 
Yes. And I just want to say one other thing about this scene that that was interesting is that um, when Mary Poppins, you know, when the kids go to run off, Mary Poppins says, you know, don't smudge the picture. That was P.L. Travers consultation in her recommendation. Note, yeah, that yeah, she had to, given Walt Right, to, to use career. that line there. So that was interesting that, you know, she actually had, you know, that line, that was a very creative line. Yes, absolutely. So what I also love about this is that there's two of the biggest songs in the show. In this one, of course, Jolly Holiday and Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious both uh, appear within this scene. Uh, also, uh, many of the Disney voices you know and love through many other Disney movies appear right. in this. Uh, <laughs> Thrill Ravencroft, who many has been in many Disney movies. You may know him also as the voice of Tony the Tiger. And, of course, the deep voice talking bust from the Haunted Mansion. He's in there. Uh, you have Pat O'Malley, who's in 101 Dalmatians, Alice in Wonderland. And the Sherman Brothers even make an appearance in this. Uh, Richard plays a Penguin, as well as right. a member of the Pearly Band. And Robert plays a member of the Pearly Band. So yeah, so. The, even the Shermans right. lend their voice to his, along with, of course, the great songs that we hear. Yeah, it's awesome how they brought the whole the family together. It's a yep. family film. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, and also the uh, the carousel horses look at the carousel horses when they come off there uh they created these to actually kind of be characterizations of their riders so if you look like dick van dyke's horse he's got the big chin and kind right. of funky hair it looks a little bit <laughs> like awesome. dick van dyke uh mary poppins horse is very prim and proper looking you know it's it's really an interesting uh take on it and kind of a, an interesting catch when you right. see right such attention to detail which was you know one of the things that also made this such a phenomenal film you know, they could have just used any kind of beautiful looking, you know, even if they were all ornate carousel horses. But like you said, these were really customized to be caricatures of their riders, which, again, great attention to detail. Yeah. Again, the detail work, like you said, it was impressive within that scene. So it starts to rain. Everything gets washed away. They come out of it and they head back home. Uh, and the kids were so excited from this, this amazing experience right? <laughs> they just had. They just didn't want to go to sleep. So Mary Poppins says, okay, stay awake. That's she right. sings the lullaby, stay awake. And uh, this is the first real time that we start seeing her using reverse psychology. Stay awake, don't fall asleep. And the kids, of course, doze right off. Right, right. And, um, you know, what's another interesting little tidbit about that song is it was it was written, the Sherman Brothers did write that, but there was consideration of really removing that from the film. And Julie Andrews is the one that kind of really wanted to make sure it remained. And she kind of tied in with P.L. Travers to, you know, go to Walt and said, look, this is an important song to have in the film. And, um, and it was P.L. Travers who also talked to Walt about the fact that, you know, it's it would be very Mary Poppins to to have her suggest to the kids something opposite of what she wanted them to do. Right. You know, um, but it wasn't an easy song, even for Julie Andrews. It took her 48 takes in one day to have that soft quality tone to it where it would be kind of dreamy or mm -hmm. sleepy sounding. It is an amazing lullaby, by it the is, way. It I, is. I think I should just have that on loop when I go to bed at night to just kind of lull me to sleep because it is a beautiful lullaby. It is. It really is. In, in that scene, just before she's having them go to sleep, though, um, she does give them medicine. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that. It's correct. Right. And this surprised me because I just thought it was, you know, 
whether it's trick photography or how they filmed it later on, but the how the kids and Mary Poppins each have a spoon and, and Mary's pouring out of one bottle and the color is different in each spoon, that actually came out that way. And in fact, the kids weren't privy to that beforehand, so they were very much surprised You actually as well. hear it. Uh, Jane right. actually squeals. Right. Like, oh! <laughs> Because she wasn't expecting it to happen. Right. So it was neat how they, you know, were making sure that at some parts in the scenes that they would have some authentic responses from the kids. Um, but just the fact that they that it did come out in different colors is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 they didn't explain how they did that. You no, know, we I know. Kinda, we, we kind of speculated different on it. Was theories. there a button they would push that would pour different uh, things out of the bottle? Yeah, like Was a there a, tubes, yeah. a chemical reaction when it hit the spoon to something on there that changed the color? Right. We don't know, but it was very interesting to see uh, how it you know, wasn't just an edited thing. It was something that the kids did not know that right, was going to happen, right. apparently, from what we read. Uh, so they go to sleep. They wake up the next day. Hey, it's time for another outing. Yes. So the kids go out, and they're heading towards the park, and they run into Andrew the dog. That's right. <laughs> Andrew the dog's Barking at uh, Mary Poppins, telling him or telling her a little story. Apparently, there's trouble afoot. <laughs> Another th- interesting thing about that is that apparently, as they were filming the dog Andrew, uh, it sneezed in the middle of it. It was not intended to sneeze. It was not trained to sneeze, right. and so they had to write in Mary Poppins saying, "Bless you." Right. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah. Very cute. Um, uh, so apparently, the problem was Uncle Albert is once again. Caught in a fit of laughter, and he has this causes him to float up to the ceiling whenever he laughs. So, uh, you may know Uncle Albert, he's played by Ed Wynn. You may know Ed Wynn as the original Mad Hatter from the animated Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, he's he's a great actor, he's been in a lot of different films, playing a lot of types of roles. Um, so he definitely was not typecast, but he did a perfect job as Uncle Albert and very convincing. and Talk about laugh out loud. LOL. Yeah. LOL. <laughs> he takes it to a new lev- level. <laughs> <laughs> I love puns. Uh, apparently, also, he improvised many of his lines. They just let him go. They enjoyed him so much that they just let him kind of go and improvise his lines throughout it. He didn't even try to do a, a British accent. He's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be me right. and do my thing. He didn't try a British accent. But uh, really funny stuff with Edwin and uh, especially with Dick Van Dyke with him. I guess they, the two really enjoyed each other and had a good time uh, with one another. Uh, soon, uh, you know, it becomes so much, there's so much laughter that soon everyone is on the ceiling laughing. Right. Except for Mary Poppins, who is very upset by this whole thing. <laughs> But by the way, in the books, apparently uh, Mary Poppins is extremely stern, which you get a little bit of in this movie, but also very vain, which you also get a little bit in this movie. But it's much more extreme, apparently, from what I've read in the books. That, right. They, they kind of softened her quite a little bit, and she shows a little bit more compassion towards the children than she did. In the, not that she didn't have compassion, but right. she was just a little more, maybe not quite as loving towards the children as uh, Julie Andrews' version of Mary Poppins. Right. I understand. It's interesting, like you mentioned about the uh, being that she was vain that there wasn't ever a a mirror or even a window where she would pass without looking at herself which makes sense with the introduction when she comes into the nursery and the little mirror is not where she says that won't do and she has to pull out her more larger elaborate (laughs) mirror so that she can look at herself so 
But yes, apparently that's the way it was in the book, and it, they softened it a little bit. Like I said, this is kind of the, this movie is kind of based on the Mary Poppins novels, not really the Mary Poppins novels, but uh, still a lot of fun. The way they had to film the ceiling and get that um, whole aspect of the the table and it moving and the people up there floating and having the the, the effects of floating was very meticulous and um, you know obviously it, it required the the actors to be wearing cables and you know it took them a while to get used to the cables and it wasn't always an easy thing I guess Julie Andrews was actually dropped once. <laughs> Yes. But only once. <laughs> just inches from what I said, from what we read, inches from the ground. So, so but, uh, it, you know, it, it was really, um, you know, the fact that they had all the, the actors cabled up and then the table on, you know, um, pulley system and with, mm-hmm. you know, other kinds of mechanics to make it happen. You can tell that they really um, had to, to do a lot of creativity, but it really comes through in the movie. It looks seamless. It looks very natural and floating indeed. So Yeah, it's a really cool scene. Right. Uh, really cool scene. So, um, like I said, they, they finally get down on the floor. Apparently, they, you know, they needed to have something sad to happen to them to get down on the floor. And the thing that was sad was like, well, we have to leave. So that was the thing that was right. sad that got them down on the floor. And some of the best jokes and important jokes come out in... Best jokes, best dad jokes. It's a scene full of dad jokes. It's really exactly it is, and it's interesting that um, you know the actors, both um, Bert and Uncle Albert, when in off times, were very conscientious of the kids and how some of these emotional aspects were going on, and they tried to be very much sensitive to Mm -hmm. you know if something is sounding sad or or if something is going to seem scary to you know even. off the set, have some more fun times with the kids. Yeah, exactly. That was uh, really important. It just shows you why we love Dick Van Dyke so much. The fact that he was so willing to react to the kids that way. And he just seems like such a, I've never met him, but he seems like just such an interesting and fun guy. I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Dick Van Dyke. Right, exactly. So, okay. So we get done with the Uncle Albert part. Uh, They come back home to the Banks home. Mr. Banks is becoming increasingly cranky about the whole situation that's (laughs) happening. Children need to be doing more with their outings. Uh, he faces down with Mary Poppins about this and this big stern lecture he's going to give her. But in the middle of this stern lecture, she once again turns it around on him, uses again more reverse psychology, and once again, this time convinces Mary Bank. Uh, this time convinces Mary Banks. Yeah. Mary Poppins convinces Mr. Banks to bring the children to the bank with him. Yes, and I loved how um, the mom. You could tell she realized what was happening and just kind of went along with it and, you know, thought, I'm going to keep this secret, you know, under my cap and this is a good thing. Well, then Mr. Banks afterwards like, yes, I did do that. I did. <laughs> I did say that. What a capital idea I just came up with. You know, right, it's right. just so funny. Uh, so Mary Poppins uses the reverse psychology uh, and then she gets upstairs with the kids. And now it's time for the one of the key biggest moments of the movie. She sits down with the kids, tells them they're going to be going to, you know, her, uh, Mr. Banks, their father's work the next day and sits down with them and tells them the little story about the bird lady feeding the birds. And it is a very important movie or part of this movie. Though her words are simple and few, listen 
First off, this song is absolutely stunning. It is a beautiful, beautiful song. It may be the most beautiful song in the in a movie full of wonderful songs. Right. Total sing-along songs and fun songs. Yes. And, and an important song. This is an important song. And it was the first one written for the film, as a matter of fact. And it was the song that Walt Disney loved the most. We've told the story many times about it. Yes. This is a song that, um, like you said, Walt really loved. And he started asking the Sherman brothers to come meet him in his office uh, at the Burbank Studios on Friday evenings and come in and play that song for him. He had a piano in his office, still there. Um, and they would play that. And they said, you know, many times they would notice him just looking out the window and even tearing up at times. And as we've said in the past, too, that as a tribute to Walt, that even after he passed away on Fridays for like at least a year, they would return to Walt's office because it was still being kind of left Mm-hmm. For Walt. until somebody else took over the, right. uh, that office, right? And so they would return on Friday evenings before going home and play that song on the piano. I can't think of that song without no, getting choked up. Yes, it's, it's just it's, it is one of my and favorite it's a beautiful songs. song, beautiful it song. Uh, and the one the key about this into the story is that this song is all. There's more than the words of just feeding the birds. Right. It's all about giving. It's giving to the less fortunate, giving to those that are having struggles. It's giving is what the key to this, and that is one of the keys to the finale of this movie. Right, and like you're saying, it's a song about giving, but that it doesn't take a lot to have a big impact. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it definitely isn't talking about feeding birds. Um, it really is... Like you're saying, the act of giving and that with just a little bit of effort in our lives that we can really make an impact on other people. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's interesting that, that, um, you know, Mr. Banks has to have that transformation with the song, you know, with the concept himself where he said, you know, when the kids even talked before going there that they wanted to feed the birds you know, he's like, feed the birds. You Why know? would we want to do that? Right. That's silly. <laughs> so. We need to keep this money for ourselves. Uh, back to this scene itself while the song is going on. Uh, the scene was shot. The bird woman is Jane Darwell, who came out of retirement at the age of 85 to shoot this role. She's been in over 170 films, including a couple of movies you may have heard of. Uh, Huckleberry Finn, uh, The Devil and Daniel Webster, and a little small film you might have known as Gone, Gone with, with the, the Wind. wind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and apparently she got the full star treatment. She was limo to the set all the days that she ended up shooting this. And this was the one scene. Walt didn't go and watch any of the shooting. This was the one scene he went wanted to attend himself and see it shot. Right. He really hand-selected her for this role. And like you said, uh, you know, really rolled out the red carpet for her, as they say. He really wanted to, you know 
pay respect for her longstanding, outstanding career. And, you know, like you said, he had her brought in by limo. He made sure everybody, you know, on the set would know that they had to treat her as if she was the star and deserving. Well, she was a star and deserving of their respect. And and like you said, he was there. And interestingly, too, that that was the last scene that was filmed Very last for one. the movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of an all-fitting tribute to the to the person, to the to the movie Mary Poppins, and to the concept of what they were trying to, you know, teach people. Right. Uh, no question about it. Um, amazing scene. And that woman who played that role is a, such a small part, but she's an amazing woman and fit into that role. Right. Last role she played. Last role she played. Absolutely. Uh, so we're moving on. The next day, the, they wake up. The children join Mr. Banks on the trip to his job at the bank. Uh, Michael wants to give his tuppence to the bird woman that we just right. spoke of. Uh, Mr. Banks, we just talked about this. Like, that's silly. What are you talking about? That's ridiculous. Right. Let's put this money in the bank. Uh, we go into the bank and we meet the partners that run the bank. Mr. Dawes Sr., played by Nevikid Kid. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that or how they put it. Uh, no, what that really is, is that's Dick Van Dyke scram- scrambled up. Yep. Uh, Dick Van Dyke actually donated, I believe it was 4000 It was either 4000 or $5,000 to Cal Arts for the right to be able to play this role. He tried out for it, tried on the makeup, showed Walt he could do it, and part of the agreement was he would donate to Walt's California Cal Arts uh, school right. to be able to play this role. Which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, interesting that, you know, Dick Van Dyke had to give, pay money to pay another role <laughs> in this right, movie. Right, right. You know, it's just kind of an interesting thing. Uh, we're also joined by Mr. Dawes Jr., who was part of, played by Arthur Mallet, who you may know from uh, Hook, uh, The Secret of Nim. He was also in. If you've seen those movies, uh, you may recognize him. Uh, so there's a big to-do. There's a, the Fidelity Fiduciary Bank song, which is interesting that uh, apparently Dick Van Dyke cut that whole song in one take which yeah, is it's amazing of, and i guess they had the crew just cracking up throughout the whole thing right right and that the orchestra when they watched it later all applauded for right. it they in fact they i guess they really were applauding the orchestra themselves were applauding to each of the songs which is something that is really unheard of yeah it's, it was crazy how much they loved this movie uh they want to take michael's tuppence he's insisting no no i want to feed the birds they don't take. so eventually they take it he demands it back and the bank patrons hear Michael saying, you know, give me my money, give me my money. And they think that the bank is not giving people their money. So they make a run on like, oh, give me, I'm, I want my money out of the bank. And there's a riot that ensues and all sorts of craziness. Yeah, it's it, it was it's a great scene and and going back to the music of that song, how marching sounding you know it, it was like everything is orderly here yes. and we're it's a true. bank and, and now this happens and all that order goes out the window. Yeah. So the riot ensues. The children get scared. They run away frightened and run into Bert, who is now in another job. He is a chimney sweep. Yes, yes. And they actually run into another lady oh, there, true. too. Just a quick scene. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have her name right here. I should have taken a note down on her name. But uh, she actually played Cruella DeVille. Right. Among other things. Yes. And she just does just a quick scene. It just, there. Just, just pops in for a minute, startles the children, and then that's it. That's all you see of her. But she actually played uh, Cruella DeVille. Right. Um, so the, they run into Bert. This, again, is another key moment. And it involves Bert. And this is important. Uh, he talks to the children, sits them down, settles them down. You know, they sense and they're, they're afraid. They're afraid because of their father is after them. That's what they think, right? Right. They know moment. he's upset with them. Right. 
he sits them down and tells them, look, you know, you have your mother, you have, you know, your, your, your house staff, you have me, uh, you have Mary Poppins to watch after you. You know, who does your father have? You know, when something goes wrong, when things aren't right, who does he talk to? Who helps him out? He explains this to the children, and it's a very interesting moment, I think. Yeah, definitely. That, you know, um, you know, from a child's perspective, you know, your dad's mad at you. That's, you know, pretty severe, pretty concerning. You know, your world's falling apart for you. But it's, it's interesting in this movie that, you know, Bert is able to, you know, like you said, turn the story to a light for the kids that, hey, their, their dad is the one that is, you know, bearing the brunt of all the issues going on with family and that, you know, this is something that they can take into consideration that, yes, you know, he may be frazzled, but give him some slack because he's bearing it all on his own. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So they return back to the Banks home and uh, Mrs. Banks is just about to head off for another uh, suffragette uh, thing, some sort of, I don't know, Another rally. Rally, whatever. She's heading off. And so she's like, oh, well, you know, Mary Poppins, it happens to be her day off. Uh, the staff is very busy. Um, Bert, can you watch her? Like, you know, I don't know if she even knew Bert before this, but Bert, why don't you come in and watch the children? And, you know, he's like, oh, okay, if you say so, whatever, you know. Right. But, Which is kind of really demonstrating the the common thread that the, that the writers decided to use for tying all these different Mary Poppins book stories together is that the parents of, you know, Jane and Michael Banks are just all absorbed into other things and very busy that their, their attention drifts from, you know, their, their, their kids. So this is kind of another, you know, link to that. that Mm -hmm. The mom's like, okay, yeah, the, the kids are home now. Mary Poppins isn't here. Um, let's see. I still need to go, so let me find a substitute. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do, Bert. Yeah, right. Come on in. So what if you're totally smudged with uh, coal and whatever? Come on in. It's fine. So uh, he takes the advantage. I don't think they ever asked him to sweep the chimney, but he's like, hey, I got my equipment here. I'm going to sweep the chimney. You know? So they start looking at the chimney. I think she does suggest it. Oh, does she? Yeah, because he's saying he, at first he's saying he can't because he's he's due to go clean uh, the governor's. Uh, oh, um, yeah, I do remember that. Right. And and she says, oh, yeah, what a great idea. Ours needs to be cleaned okay, as I missed, well. I must have Sorry missed, I must that. have missed past that. So, you know, I'm glad you uh, saw that because I missed it. But yeah. anyway, so he starts to uh, lay out all the sheets over the everything and uh, the children starts to show the children about sweeping the chimney and before you know it they're all sucked up into the chimney and up onto the roof right uh it's uh, you know and then we're up there kind of go through the house of london again masterful artwork uh, uh that, totally. you know looks beautiful these rooftops of london who apparently they actually took some shots from uh the rooftops of london and to uh, kind of make them into this artwork to kind of get an idea of what they would have looked like yeah it's such detail such again attention to detail there and it just is phenomenal how you know they've captured that essence and it is one of my as i mentioned before one of my favorite scenes is this with all the the dancing and the hoopla and the hoopla and the hoopla on the roofs speaking of the hoopla stepping time stepping time come on mighty stepping time stepping time stepping time stepping time stepping Get 
So yes, the biggest dance number possibly in Disney history ensues right. in this. Uh, Step in Time is an impressive number that they uh, had to practice many, many times over to get this correct. Uh, but it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece dancing number. Oh, definitely. And uh, yes, their rehearsals were taking place outside the studios, you know, on the lot. Um, and as it sometimes gets here in Southern California, it was pretty hot, like into the mid to high 90s. And these people, In the shade, they said. Yeah. In the shade, it was in, in the, the 90s. Shade. And uh, they were finally thrilled to be able to go inside into the air-conditioned studio to film it. And unfortunately, the first take was on film that was scratched. So they had to repeat the dance scenes, which is phenomenal. And, you know, when I was a kid growing up seeing this, I I thought a lot of those acrobatic things were um, fake. I thought they were using like, um, you know, guide wires or whatever to that. And, but that's not true. These were just people dancing. It's just impressive. The choreography and the energy, it, it is just really one of the best scenes, I think, in, in like you're saying, in dancing in film history. history. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is a, it's an amazing scene. It's a long scene. It's about eight minutes long. It's really a long scene, but the dancing is incredible. I mean, yes, obviously, it's not the danger that they try and portray that they're dancing on roofs of tops in London. You know, it was a set. To be right. They were perfectly right. safe the whole time, but they do pull off some impressive maneuvers, multiple flips within a limited space with a lot of people around. Right, right. Um, it's one of the things, another thing we talked about Walt Disney only going to see uh, one scene actually being shot, but but he regularly liked, as they were rehearsing outdoors, when they rehearsed this outdoors, as right. you were mentioning, uh, after lunch, uh, around 2.30 or so, he would regularly go and watch the rehearsal for this uh, play right after lunch. Right, so. right. Who, bl- who would blame him? Because, I mean, it, it is phenomenal. Another interesting little thing during that scene, and I don't know if you remember, but at one point they're dancing and it looks like they fall into the chimneys. Mm-hmm. And that actually they were falling into and the one of the choreographers who designed all the dancing was the one who would pull, you know, the lever that would release all the trap doors for them to fall, fall through down. Into the yeah, chimney. yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Hope you timed that right. If you missed yes. that, that could be a bad <laughs> fall. Right. It could be a bad fall. But it's a masterful scene. It's, uh, again, it may be my second favorite scene. I know you said it was your favorite scene. Maybe my yeah. second favorite scene in the entire movie. Right. It's just amazing. So uh, this all happens. They end up uh, back into the bank's home somehow, the whole group of them, and they all <laughs> dance to the home too, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and right after they finally leave, Mr. Banks finds out that he's been called to a late night meeting at the bank. Apparently, he's getting sacked, right. which is fired. Yes. Um, because of the fact that the, what the children did when he was there and how they reacted, which is ridiculous. But that is how the crux of the movie, how it happens. Yeah, point. definitely. And interestingly, just in that room, that boardroom, it it was in the same setting of where the bank was. And that's just how they reimagined, you know, the scenery to make it look like um, the boardroom there. But it was also very interesting um, the way that they were disciplining Mr. Banks was very much through the eyes of a child. Right. You know, what, what, if you were to say to a kid, well, what do you think they would do to somebody, you know, tearing the, the boutonniere in half mm-hmm. and making his umbrella invert, you yeah. know, that's very so silly. Yes, yes. So silly. <laughs> but before that, the key, the biggest moment to me of the movie, well, maybe not the biggest moment, but definitely a huge moment in the movie, in the movie happens and it, really changes Mr. Banks' viewpoint on a lot of things. And once again, it's Bert that uh, does this, that helps him get to 
where he needs to be. You know what she did? I realize it now. She tricked me into taking Jane and Michael to the bank. That's how all the trouble started. Tricked you into taking the children on an outing? Yes. Outrageous. A man with all the important things you have to do. Shameful. You're a man of high position. Esteemed by your peers. And when your little tykes are crying, you haven't time to dry their tears. And see them grateful little faces smiling up at you. Because their dad, he always knows just what to do. Well, I mean, look, I, 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 I don't think say, I... Governor? You've got to grind, grind, grind at that grindstone. Though childhood slips like sand through a sieve. And all too soon they've up and grown. And then they've flown. And it's too late for you to give. Just that spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down, the medicine go down, well, medicine go down. Well, goodbye, Governor. Sorry to have trouble. So you see there that... Well, I mentioned it earlier. Um, Spoonful of Sugar was going to come back into this in an important right. way. Not only is it Mary Poppins' theme song, but Spoonful of Sugar to Help the Medicine Go Down is also talking about, hey, it's okay for the children to every once in a while be sweet to them, be nice to them, give them the you know a little bit of love, you know, go out there, have fun with them, you know, and then when things are tough, they're better with it all, you know, in, in many ways. Right, right, you know, and, and I just love... Bert's role in this, playing the philosopher, you know, really, again, as he did with the children, to spin the perspective of what what is life all about, you know, what are the important things in life, I should say. So. Yeah, and again, what does Bert do here? Well, he takes another page out of Mary Poppins' book, right. uses reverse psychology on Mr. Banks. Look, you're doing great. You're a big, important man. You do all these things. You know, it's silly to expect you would have time to, you know, be with your children all the time. And, you know, and then he explains to him, look, you know, you're doing this. You're working hard. You can't have time for your children. Next thing you know, they're gone. Right. They've right. flown the coop. They're out of the house. You'll miss, you'll miss that time that you had with them. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, when Mr. Banks is singing that, you know, he his life was orderly, you know, but he's he totally missed the fact that, yes, it was orderly, but exclusive mm-hmm. from his kids. So that is a huge turning point within the movie. That changes Mr. Banks' thinking in many, many ways. Although he has to sit there and kind of contemplate it, he walks out of the house uh, Feed the Birds is playing in the background, a big orchestrated number of Feed uh, Feed the Birds as he's contemplating on the walk all the way to the banks, the bank where Mr. Banks works. Uh, he goes there, uh, faces again the partners, as you said, gets right. dressed down <laughs> in a very bizarre way. Um, but that's, he kind of takes it and 
sees it as this this is bizarre. What am I doing? This is right. ridiculous. And this he realizes he looks down and sees that Michael, which I didn't talk about right here, Michael sensing that his father was in trouble, not right. feeling great in a bad way, gives to him the tuppence. Right. Because from him, from Michael's perspective, that's the cause of the problem. Right. And if he can just return them back to his father in the bank, that things will go back to normal. Uh, giving to those in a bad way. Right. And again, oh, the good point. theory of this. Uh, so, of course, Mr. Banks gets dressed down. He starts to go a little loopy, shares the joke about the wooden leg, which is great a great dad joke. Um Gives Mr. Dawes Sr. the tuppence. So, again, giving to someone who's in a bad way. You don't really know it, but you can tell. And then, after getting the tuppence, Mr. Dawes Sr. starts thinking about the joke. Hey, you know, that joke's pretty Pretty funny. funny. (laughs) It's pretty. I get it now. He starts laughing. The next thing you know, he's flying on the ceiling. Right. And it's interesting to hear his son say, Daddy, come back. (laughs) You know, so you kind of... It's very symbolic of what is actually happening with that they kind of very very mildly reveal at the the end of the movie right you know where his father does pass away yes so the next thing you see is we're back in the bank's home now they can't find the father they have no idea where he has gone it's been overnight they haven't seen him turns out he's been down in the cellar uh putting together the kite again and it's great he's back let's go fly a kite they get the family all together they go out Let's go fly a kite. Right. And what's really interesting is how um, the Sherman Brothers put at the beginning of that song of Let's Go Fly a Kite about toppins. Yes. You know, with toppins. With toppins for and paper, paper and, and string. string. So that they, you know, tied it back into, again, simple things can really have a big impact on life. Yes, that's exactly right. The toppins is very symbolic of many things that how you simple things can help someone along the way. Right. So they all go to the park. Uh, once again, they, they start flying the kite. Oh, and by the way, there's Bert again with yet another <laughs> job selling kites. Bert's, you know, he has at least four jobs. I think he actually mentions five. I think he mentions at one point when it starts raining that he's going to go uh, sell chestnuts or oh, something. That's right, you know? yes. So he, there's like five jobs that he, he gets during this. But uh, So everything is great once again. The family's together. Everything's right. And now it's time for Mary Poppins to fly away. Right. Very sad moment. Uh, as you can tell that she's a little bit heartbroken to have to leave the children. Uh, and she has a conversation with her umbrella about it. You know, they didn't even say goodbye to you. By the way, the voice of the umbrella, it's yeah. David Tomlinson, who is Mr. Banks. Oh, that's that right. is the yes. voice. He plays many voices within this movie. He's also one of the penguin waiters. He's one of the jockeys in the Jolly Holiday sequence. He's one of the racetrack stewards in the Jolly Holiday. He's the dubbed-in voice for Mr. Binnacle, you know, Admiral Boom's uh, compatriot there. Within right. the office, that the, he dubs in, it's a different actor, but the, the voice is actually David Tomlinson's voice dubbed in yeah. there. Yeah, how, how great is that? And by the way, I, I just want to get into David Tomlinson in this movie. I don't know, I don't think he got nominated. He, he didn't get an Academy Award nomination, I don't believe, for this. But and I think he got a Golden Globe nomination, but not an Academy Award nomination. His acting in this movie is spectacular. The way right. he's struggling with... You know, everything is right in his life, and it's the way I want. 
wanted, and then things are going sideways on him, and you can see it, it, it like his mind turning and throughout the whole movie. Yeah, the transformation, you know, and the transfer. It, it, he he does a fantastic job in this movie. He's he's magnificent. But anyway, Mary Poppins, spectacular. I'm we've gone really long in this segment, but it's such a great movie that we wanted to go in depth. That hopefully we provided you some facts behind it as well as the story. If you haven't seen it in a while, uh, maybe you remember it. Uh, Michelle, you have something else? Yeah, I just want to uh, point out we were trying to remember the um, old crone. Oh, yeah, who was Corella the, Deville? Corella Deville. It was Betty Lou Gerson. Ah, that's right. You know, yes. uh, and another little tidbit is you know we hear Mary Poppins say "spit spot" several times throughout the movie, and that is in the book. That is a a, a term that uh, Mary Poppins in the original book would use, um, and it it's great how they tied again as much of the, the details and even some of the smaller but you know kind of important details within the within the movie that came directly from the book and you know I think P.L. Travers you know and anybody who's seen the movie Saving Mr. Banks it, it you know it dramatizes the concept of that there you know there were some struggles along the way but that everybody did come together to work on this film and produced a brilliant film. Uh, and I also liked reading about that, how um, Dick Van Dyke noted that Walt was just beaming mm-hmm. at the red carpet premiere of Mary Poppins, that he knew... Julie Andrews said the same thing. Uh, right, yeah. right, that they knew this was something that Walt really wanted to do for a long time, and it really came to fruition, and that he was just so ecstatic to finally have it happen. Yeah. I just want to make another note on something that I loved within this movie that would happen from time to time, several times within the movie, and that is this. So if you're just hearing this and you don't know what that is, if you haven't seen the movie, if you've seen the movie, you kind of know what that is. Right. But Admiral Boom would, you know, at certain times of the day, launch his cannon right at the top of the hour. And so they, this household just kind of knew that. And they realized it and they'd be like, oh, it's time. So everybody get in your spot. They'd have all this breakable vossware and glassware and everything. And they would just, like, they'd be catching all these things and they just knew it. And it was like, okay, it's just part of the day. And then it would be done and they just move on. Like, right, okay, right. it's just what we do, you know? I and even Mr. Banks would get into it, but, you know, in a very kind of more uh, reserved, subtle type of way, you know? Um, some of the other things that, that were um, interesting too is when Mary Poppins is saying goodbye to the children. And where the kids say, well, don't you love us? And the line that she replies is, um, you know, what would, would it be if I loved all the children, mm-hmm. you know, that I took care of? And that was, again, P.L. Travers' consultation uh, with the writers to put that line in. She felt that's something that Mary Poppins would say. Um, and then also in that scene, there was originally a, a song that was going to accompany um, that from Mary P- Poppins' perspective of you know, the hardship the, and the sadness of leaving these kids that, yes, she obviously did fall in love with, um, but the that the producers decided to pull that out, which was probably a smart thing because I think it, it may have brought a very negative or, or sad part to... Well, it should be a happy ending. Right, right. Of course, it's a little sad that Mary has to leave. Right. Mary, it, Mary Poppins, I shouldn't right. say Mary, because P.L. Travers would never have you call her Mary. It's right. It's always Mary Poppins, Poppins. and P.L. Travers. Exactly. But, um, that, yeah, that at least it tied it in yeah 
So that's our look back at the movie. Uh, we love it very much. We suggest you go see it if you get a chance to, or, or you know, whether you stream it. Uh, if you have it in your home home, break it out and watch it again within the next week or so. Uh, but I hopefully, if not, at least we gave you a rundown of what it was like. And hopefully uh, we implied some facts that uh, you enjoy to kind of make this movie maybe a little more interesting even to you. Maybe some stuff that you didn't know. If there's some stuff that uh, you knew that we didn't bring up and have some interesting stories to right. share yeah, with us. And we'll do. bring them up on our next episode because we're going to be talking more about the new Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins Returns coming up here next week. Exactly. And we'd love to hear your reactions, you know, to the original Mary Poppins, you know, whether it be your reactions as a child or your reactions now as adult. Because I know when I saw this as a child that, you know, some of the songs seemed a little dark to me, you know, but now I love them. Like because the birds, I know you thought that way for a while. Yes, yes. But then, you know, really getting, you know, as an adult and appreciating the message of, you know, some of these songs and, you know, some of the other aspects of it, the liveliness of some of the songs on the rooftop, as I said, you know, has really changed my perspective. So I had my transformation too. There you go. See, it all ties in. <laughs> but love to hear from you all what some of your reactions were um, to the original Mary Poppins. And we know we've taken a long time for this segment. We basically broke down the entire movie for right. you, but we felt that this movie really needed to get delved into deeply again uh, and have you ready for the next movie coming up. So hopefully we do Right, that. and there's some things from the first movie that, you know... Maybe. Are Maybe. playing... You know, I mean, it's good to know them for the second movie. Yeah. It just it, it, Even if you don't see the second movie, it, Mary Poppins is a masterpiece. Right. It's one of the best Disney movies that has been ever created, and uh, really, you should enjoy it if you get a chance to go see it. So now, let's do something... Absolutely different. Let's shift <laughs> gears extremely because we're going from a Disney classic to now new Disney and Marvel had a big week this yes. week. There were two big trailers that came out this week. The first being a new trailer for Captain Marvel. And you're a Cree, a race of noble warriors. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. So, yes. Captain Marvel came out with a second trailer. I hope you've seen it uh, because it is a stunning trailer. I'm going to break it down here a little bit how this trailer went along. Uh, it starts off uh, beginning with you see her, and we just kind of heard the end, tail end of it there. If you saw the first trailer, there's a scene in there where she's on the subway and she just punches some elderly woman <laughs> yes. that's sitting on the subway. If you didn't know what was going on there, then you'd be like, why is Captain Marvel punching right. this woman? Well, they explained a little bit of it more in this episode. The reason why is because she is a Skrull. Now, if you don't know what a Skrull is, a Skrull is a shape-shifting alien. So the thought is that this alien is shape-shifted into this elderly lady. And that's why Captain Marvel is punching this woman yeah. and they get into a big scrum onto the, a scroll scrum on the, uh, the subway <laughs> there. Say. Yeah. That, um, I have to say that scene kind of jarred me for a second, you know, but, um, knowing Marvel and, and how they tie things together, I'm, I'm very much, you know, a fan of it anyways. Yeah. So, um, so here's how the, the trailer goes from there. She believes that she's a Cree in her heart. That's what she believes at this point in her life is from what we see in the trailer. She even just said it. We heard it just there. We're a group of noble warrior heroes. Uh, she's there with a young Nick Fury. Yes, they use that technology again with something like what we saw in Ant-Man and right. Ant-Man and the Wasp, where uh, Samuel L. Jackson is somehow 
reborn into a younger <laughs> version of himself. Uh, and that's the thing that she is a Cree is sort of true, at least from her point of right. view. Uh, she has taken part in a thing that's called the Cree Skrull War. Obviously, she's a Cree or she's with the Cree, and the Skrull is what you were just talking about right. before. Um, we see in the next part, we see Annette Benning. Uh, in a role, looks like she's part of the Cree group there, kind of the leader or the president or whatever you want to call it. I uh, don't know what her role is. We will see on that. Um, and it looks like we find out a little bit more how Carol Danvers becomes Captain Marvel. It looks appears to be that we're going to get a little bit of that, although they've said right. this isn't going to be an origin story, so we may just get a small glimpse of what actually happened to that. Um, there's a lot of shots of her kind of having a, flashbacks of her life and she's starting to she says she's starting to have memories of what her life was like before and that maybe she belongs there um she still knows how to fly a quinjet apparently <laughs> yeah yes. so she still knows how to be a pilot we see jude law and his character up here and then we're going to get to the chills moment which i've talked about many times there isn't a marvel trailer that i've ever seen that doesn't give me chills at least once within it and the moment came when she says i'm not going to fight your war I'm going to end, end it. it. Yes. And then you see her in her full glory outfit <laughs> going through a blowing, like, I don't know, a dozen other opposing starfighters or whatever <laughs> craft out of the sky. And it's just amazing. Uh, and then it all wraps up in a typical, you know, we see the title. It wraps up in a typical Marvel way. There has to be a little humor to finish it up. And we see Nick Fury there <laughs> petting a little cat. Oh, look at the little kitty. Um and the kitty's name is Goose, if you didn't, couldn't see the tag. Um, that is apparently Captain Marvel's cat, and there may be a little bit more. Shouldn't be surprised. There may be a little bit more than you will see on right. the appearance of that cat. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. So, uh, really great uh, trailer. I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, too. Like I said, I think that the beginning part, the first time I saw it, because I have seen it many times, but the first time I saw it was a little jarring, Um you know, but it. I think it really shows the excitement. Um, like you said, it. You know, uh, the issue of the flashback. So the kind of the the coming of age of hey, now I'm trying to put together my life, and I see that there's pieces out there that I need to pull together and try to figure out so I can know who the real me is, and you know, or who all parts of me are. And I think you know. We all, as young adults, we go through that, and you know, sometimes as older adults too, that you know, you're trying to just put. Put your life together, understand it more, and I, I love how Marvel does that in a big way, and and but that they make her a hero. She's a hero. Yeah. Awesome. She's a hero. Um, her is a hero. Yes. Uh, it's you know one thing that we see here is that they've called her the most powerful Avenger, and you see a little glimpse of that when she goes off at there. That's this is the first real shot of her looking how powerful you expect her to be, and we know that she's going to play a key role in the new Avengers 4 coming up here. So we saw a little glimpse right. of how powerful she is. It's going to be interesting to see how they develop it and how this progresses into Avengers 4. Speaking of Avengers yes, 4, please, yes. don't hold off. We also got that trailer this week. Hey, Miss Potts. If you find this recording, don't feel bad about this. Part of the journey is the end. Just for the record, being adrift in space with zero promise of rescue is more fun than it sounds. Food and water ran out. 
four days ago. Oxygen will run out tomorrow morning. That'd be it. When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you. So, yes, that's the beginning of the big trailer. That was a huge, it just exploded across the internet this week. Yeah, it's like when it came out. hitting records of how many. Yes, we'll discuss that in a second here. Um, as you just heard there, it starts off with Tony Stark. He's talking to his mask. And an interesting, by the way, many people compared this. I saw this online that the opening shot is a torn and battered uh, Iron Man mask sitting on the ground, and they compared it to Darth Vader's torn or burnt and melted mask in a shot from oh, Star, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Right. Uh, kind of interesting. I don't know yes. if they're tie in or if it's just a coincidence, but it was just kind of interesting. So uh, as you just heard there, Tony Stark, it looks, appears to be alone. Is he alone? I don't know. But he's on a spaceship. Uh, could be the Milano, the Guardians of the Galaxy ship. Kind of looks like that might be the, mm. the ship he is. Don't know if he's alone, but it looks like that. Uh, he mentions part of the journey is the end. Of course, we know that this movie is going to be the end of this phase of Marvel. Things are going to greatly shift after this movie. I mean, there are going to be some characters you know uh, that you've seen in this movie that are going to progress forward, but there's going to be some that were there from the beginning that we may not see as much of or if at all after this film. What that means as far as what their outcome is in this film, that's up in the air. We don't know. Uh, Food and water ran out four days ago. Oxygen set out to run out, quote, tomorrow morning, end quote. Uh, When I drift off, I will dream of you, about you. It's always about you. Yeah, um, very very touching. Moment. Very touching. Very, very Stark like. for yes. sure. very very changed Stark. Like right, remember when yes. you first saw him in the first Iron Man? He is arrogant. It's all yes. about him. Now it's all about someone he loves deeply. Right, you know, right. Very right. interesting. Um, we move on after we get the title. Of course, the Marvel, and it blows away. It ashes and blows away, which is beautiful in a dark scary way but right. it's still beautiful beautiful hauntingly beautiful i guess you could call it uh we see thanos's armor as a scarecrow uh and then you see him kind of walking through a field or at least it looks like him it's, it appears they have the affinity gauntlet still on it appears still charred and messed up like it was uh, at the end of infinity by the way i'm sorry if the if i'm giving you spoilers to infinity war but it's been more than six months I, you know i i can't help it if you haven't seen it by this point um, we're gonna well, give you're a not saying too to much infinity why war. just that he had right. the gauntlet and- um but you kind of should know by now if what's what's gone on if you care about this movie at all um so i'm okay and here is the spoiler so if you don't want to hear move on anyway he completed his goal he's wiped out so you know hey I've wiped out half the population of the universe. You know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to farm. <laughs> that's what it looks like. It looks like yeah. he's a farmer or something on this land, you know. Right. And that's not too much of a spoiler because they have it in the trailer where they said yeah. that he's... If you've seen the trailer. you've you seen know. the trailer. That- Again, if you haven't seen this movie, it's been out for six and a half months on, on uh, streaming and, you know, Blu-ray for a, long, for a long time as well. So I'm sorry if we've spoiled something for you. I apologize for that, but, you know. If you cared about it, I would have thought you would have seen it by now. But anyway, I apologize if we've ruined it for you. I'm sorry. Um, 
No, I feel bad. I feel like I've ruined this movie for no, people. No, no. <laughs> Look at you. You're like, yeah, you did. No, no, no really, you didn't. You didn't. Like you said, I mean, Disney fans, um, they love their movies. They see them early on. They see them often. Right. So, you know, and and like you said, the, the trailer has been seen by record numbers of people. And clearly, they give a lot from the first one away in that, in that regard. Um, like you said, even the smoke part is, is very reminiscent from right. the first movie. Right. You should know by what that means by now. If yeah. You, you know, if yeah. you're a Marvel fan, I'm sure you do because that know. movie was and, huge. And you know, I I like trailers. Obviously, um, I I think this trailer moved me more than any trailer, and I'm mm. embarrassed to say that. I I think it moved me even more than the Star Wars, mm. where um, you know they first really where Han and Chewie show yes, up. Yeah. I, I mean that, home? that 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 moved me that more moved than me a lot. But, yeah. I, and I, and I think. The reason I I can only conclude the reason to my mind of this is that at you know the Infinity Wars movie um, was such an emotional movie and I won't say more than that and this <laughs> is a movie showing uh, this trailer shows hope you know um, it shows decimation but it shows hope at the same right, time right 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 you know and so and like you said um, Captain Marvel trailer had already dropped earlier in the week so you're like okay here's another another person mm-hmm. who can maybe help this cause and stuff like that yeah. so um yeah it it was a very moving to me it was yeah. a very emotional in a good way well, uh, emotional trailer mm-hmm. speaking of emotion the next scene we see is a uh, distraught captain america with right. shedding a single tear his facial hair is gone but you can tell he's just absolutely wrecked by this thing we see bruce banner uh looking at uh, holograms of those that I, we think are gone we know scott lang is somewhere else i'll give you a there's a spoiler alert for that i'm going to give you in a second here um shuri you know, from Black Panther, uh, you know, right. Black Panther's sister. Uh, we didn't know that she was officially gone until it looks like from this that maybe she was, or unless this is, uh, you know, misleading and it's something else, right. which Marvel has done in the past. Also, Peter Parker, which we know. Um, and you can just tell Bruce Banner is distraught. We see a very somber-looking Thor as well. You see Nebula aboard a ship. Is that same ship that is with Tony? Maybe, mm-hmm. or she also, uh, when they went to Titan, she had her own ship, so she may be on a different ship there, but uh, she is still around. Uh, then we see Hawkeye, who we didn't see at all. Again, spoiler alert for Infinity War. He was nowhere, he gets mentioned, right. he's nowhere there. You see him, something has changed with Hawkeye when you see him, okay? He looks different. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a key thing to the narration that goes on there, and it's, says that we lost family right when you see him. Right. Did he lose his in this? Right, Is I know, that right? some of what happened here? Um, so it looks like he's turned himself into another character, which if you know the comics, might be Ronin. Or there's a character called Ronin that Hawkeye becomes later. And this, what he looks like in there kind of looks like oh, that character. So um, that could be. We see Steve Rogers looking at his compass with a picture of Peggy Carter, right. Agent Carter course was his love back in the original uh captain america um does that mean she's making an appearance in this coming movie there's so many questions that come out of this trailer by the way cap is also in his original winter soldier outfit from the winter soldier captain america winter soldier didn't catch that detail didn't notice he looked like that but yeah um and then came again street continues the big chill moment black widow natasha romanoff says to Steve Rogers, Captain America, this is going to work, Steve. Cap says back to her, 
I know it is because I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. Right. Ba-boom. Yes. We get the title reveal. We finally know, even though it's been speculated for a long time, we were what we heard was incorrect, although I'd heard this one as well. The title for Avengers 4 is Avengers Endgame. Right. And that was the big chill moment. Yes. And blows me away. Yeah, I'm getting yeah. chills right now just right, thinking about right. it. But of course, once again, the trailer cannot be a Marvel trailer without having a little humor at the end. <laughs> there appears Scott Lang at the gate. And this is going to be a spoiler alert for Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's a little more recent, so I'm going to tell you a spoiler alert right now. If you don't want to know the end of that, um, move forward just a couple minutes here. In 30 seconds, whatever. He was lost at the quantum realm at the end right. of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's apparently out of the quantum realm now <laughs> because he's at the gate. Um, he says to the gate, hey, you remember me? Scott Lang, we met a few years ago. Ant-Man, remember me? You got to know Ant-Man. We met at the airport. I love that. Yeah. We met the at airport. the airport. I got a little big. Germany, remember? <laughs> um, and then he says, can you buzz me in? Which is hilarious. Yes. So that finishes with some fun. But And then there was one final surprise at the end of this trailer because we've been hearing since, I don't know, for the longest time that this movie was going to come out in early May. Well, nope, it says... At the end of it, April. April. It's now coming out on April 26th to 19, just like 2019, just like uh, Avengers Infinity War got moved up a week. This has been moved up for a week as well, so we're going to have to wait less time to finally see this movie. Yeah, that's exciting news. I guess Disney's doing that quite a bit lately, too, because Mary Poppins is Mary Poppins got moved out up. Early. Frozen yeah. 2 has already been announced. They've right, moved up. Right, so. um, it's kind of, I don't know what nice. they do. I think they kind of set a date, judging how the movie's been working on being completed. Right. And they also look and see what is going on around them. You know, by, by having this on April 26th, um, with uh, Captain Marvel coming out early March, uh, gives you a full month, a little over a month and a half in between them. So it gives you full contemplation time to figure out how Captain Marvel is going to help. Maybe there'll be some teasers in Captain Marvel. I'm sure right. there will be, and how that, that is going to move into uh, Avengers Endgame. Uh, but also that gives them a full six, seven weeks to get full box office from Captain Marvel, right, which right. is yes. really important. And it gives them some more cushion over some other movies that are coming out in the summer by uh, showing uh, Avengers Endgame at the end of April. Right, right. Makes sense. So those were those trailers. We were excited to see them. We'd love mm -hmm. to know what you thought of those trailers. I know I've already heard from a few of you out there which were as excited as we were. Right, um, right. So... Cool stuff. So this episode is, well, it's not long. It's just, we go long. That's just who we are. <laughs> um, so let's get quickly into the Disney stories of the week. We always go from our main topics to the Disney stories of the week, and then we wrap it up with our tips for your vacation. But there were some Disney stories of the week that I want to get to, and the big one, which is, again, this is something you have to find online. If you're a Disney fan and haven't seen this yet, I don't know how you didn't, but Disney released an amazing video peek at a new Beauty and the Beast attraction that's coming to Tokyo Disneyland. And it's amazing. Right. Talk about audio animatronics. It's crazy good. It's insane. Um, you got to check it out. You can find it on the Disney Parks blog. You can just find it on YouTube, the video. It's this, this attraction looks fantastic. It's supposed to be opening in 2020. This is from the Disney Parks blog. Uh, it's the centerpiece of a new area themed to Beauty and the Beast in Fantasyland. Beauty and the Beast Castle will tower nearly 98 feet above the surrounding area and house the enchanted tale of Beauty and the Beast, a new attraction inviting guests to step into the animated film aboard ride vehicles that dance in rhythm to the film's music. Looks very cool. It's a trackless ride, which is interesting. Yes. 
Um, so these 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 uh, cars that you'll be riding in, they look like giant teacups, teacup, kind of like right. chip, like giant versions right. of chip. Okay, um, and they describe them as that they will move along with the action in each scene you go through, including going into the ballroom, and they will dance. You will dance with uh, Belle and the Beast, you know, during the Tale as Old as Time, you right. know, Beauty and the Beast song. Right. I mean, if you think about like at Disneyland, the Luigi ride, in the cars there, you're dancing. Yeah, and those are trackless. Yeah. Right, right. And it's kind of that concept. Obviously, it's not a car or anything like that. But yeah, so it, it really does look so cute. And, you know, like you said, how fluid of a movement everything looks, whether you're talking about the cups and the, the, the ride being trackless, uh, as well as, like I said, the audio animatronics, very fluid very realistic looking. Yes, uh, speaking of the audio animatronics, that is what's the real, I mean, yes, those cars and the, the ride stuff sounds great, but those audio animatronics that they show in this video, like there's a bell holding a lantern that looks lifelike. Right, I mean, so, right. I mean, facial expressions, everything. Like I, I tweeted this out that, you, you, you know, we heard, we've heard the stories uh, back from the uh, 64 World's Fair right. that when they debuted uh, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. I don't think it was called that at the time, but it was Abraham Lincoln speaking. Mm-hmm. He gets up and, and you know, talks to the crowd. And there were reports that people said that, you know, not only did he just get up and talk, he walked around the room and right. everything, you know, <laughs> they were like, because so, people were so amazed by this, right. you know, this new technology they had never seen before. If it was this bell who had gotten up in front of me, oh my gosh. I think I would have said, yes, you walked around the yes. room and it was alive. <laughs> right, it right. was crazy. Exactly. It's such good audio animatronic. Yeah. You have to see this video if you haven't seen it already. It's it's amazing. Right. And, you know, they, they keep upping the game with audio animatronics, whether you think of like Spaceship Earth, some of the things that they, um, over the years, replaced some of the audio animatronics mm-hmm. with more higher tech ones and, you know, how great they look um, in the, the Frozen ride. Mm-hmm. You know, but you're right. This just looks, this is another level. This by, is another by far. level. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really amazing. It's insanely amazing. good. Check out the video. You got to see it. Uh, another thing that's also coming to Tokyo Disneyland at about that same time. Uh, this kind of slipped by because there was so much uh, notice on these right. <laughs> this Beauty and the Beast attraction. Uh, but there's also a the Happy Ride with Baymax, which is coming <laughs> there. Uh, and that looks, it, what is basically going to be, it's going to be a Big Hero 6 Baymax uh, attraction that is basically, it's it's Mater's Junkyard Jamboree, it's Alien Swirling Saucers, right. you know, it's it's just we're done with a Baymax and Big Hero 6 overlay, but yeah. it looks cool. Definitely, and definitely would be fun. I, you know, like somebody else tweeted, and I was thinking the same thing when I'm seeing all these things. It's like uh, more reasons to, you know, want to schedule a trip out there. Right. There's no question about that. Yeah. Uh, we are looking to go to uh, some of the Asian parks sometime soon. We may just hit them all up in one fell swoop. Right, but, right. I have uh, a friend that did that. Wow. That's crazy. Fun. Yes. Um, so, but all these things that they're planning out make us want to go even more. But let's get back to the U.S. here and let's talk about the West Coast and Disney California Adventure Park. This week, they announced the dates for a couple of their upcoming festivals. The first yes. one that's coming up, this straight from the Disney Parks blog, will be Lunar New Year. Right. Which is going to be a lot of fun. They're going to, here's, this is again from Disney Parks blog. Ring in the year of the, ring in the, year of the pig <laughs> with 24 days of Lunar New Year celebrations at Disney California Adventure Park. They're going to go on from January 25th to February 17th. It's going to be a joyous celebration of Asian cultures, 
Lunar New Year welcome Lunar New Year welcomes guests of all ages to commemorate traditions with beloved Disney characters and welcome another year of good fortune. It says enjoy multicultural uh, performances, fun-filled activities, beautiful decor, delicious cuisine, and theme merchandise. One of the highlights is Mulan's Lunar New Year procession, a bright and bold parade hosted by Mulan and her faithful dragon Mushu. <laughs> this year the parade will also feature the three little pigs. Why? Year of the pig. It's the year of the pig. So we're going to get the three little pigs in, in there as well. So that sounds like a lot of fun. It does sound like fun. And, you know, in years past over in uh, California Adventure in the gardens area, they they have had it, um, you mm-hmm. know, themed to be um, celebrating the Lunar New Year. But this sounds like, you know, a lot more is being involved in it, mm-hmm. which will make it great. And we also like it in... Um, the small world ride where oh, yeah. they have a you know a little nod to that as well. Absolutely, there's no question about that, and we'll probably get more details about this within the next coming weeks because it's coming up on us pretty quickly here yes. when that will get started. Uh, also, they announced this week more of our speed. The Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Yay. Festival. Yes, of course, it's coming back. Uh, it's going to start on March 1st and run to April 23rd. So it's eight weeks this year. It's longer than right. it's ever been in California anyways. Uh, you'll be able to explore California-inspired cuisine and beverages, plus live entertainment, family-friendly seminars and cooking demonstrations. Kids can even join the fun with hands-on cooking experiences that end with a tasty surprise. Uh, foodies will broaden their palates at more than a dozen mouthwatering festivals marketplaces featuring small plates, specialty wines, and craft beers. Taste your way through the festival. The Sip and Savor Pass will be back, which is always great. Uh, We'll be available for guests looking to try a variety of dishes. Uh, And in addition, limited time festival-inspired menu items will be served at restaurants throughout Disney California Adventure Park. We love the Food and Wine Festival on both coasts. Right, uh, right. Well, and like you said, you know, the the one here on the on the on the west coast um, when it first started was a lot milder mm-hmm. I think you know they they um, but now they've really embraced a lot of the the exceptional types of different foods and 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 alcohol and things so yes it's really grown into being a, a favored event over here for yeah. sure and just a note we don't know if it's going to happen we haven't seen the schedule at all yet but just from what we experienced in the past. If you happen to see a wine tasting seminar and it happens to be Gogi Vineyards, you may want to go to that one. You may want to yeah. book that one in advance because when we went the last time, I don't know if you know who the owner yeah. of Gogi don't, don't Winery give our is. Away. But <laughs> take it, look it up. That owner spoke to us. I'm just going to tell you to look it up and you'll know who that is and you may want to book this. Right. And anyway. we haven't heard anything or any. Uh, confirmations of that but our experience in the past is pretty right. I can't guarantee that if it, I don't even know if it's going to be on the schedule and right. I can't guarantee it I'm just going to tell you what happened with us so if it happens yeah, look into doing nice. it nice it's a plus one more story for me then I believe you have a story I do uh, I remembered I know I was going <laughs> to applaud you for a that a story in itself um, <laughs> Uh, We'll go over to the other coast of the United States, over to the Walt Disney World Resort. A new Kingdom Hearts 3 pop-up event is coming to Disney Springs at the Walt Disney World Resort. That's right. According to the Disney Parks blog, this is going to take place... This week, starting this week on Friday, December 14th through January 31st, 2019, there'll be a pop-up event wrapped around the new video game that is coming out early next year. There'll be a special Keyblade exhibit, artwork from the game, and yes, a demo where you can experience the game yourself before it hits stores, before you can purchase it. Uh, It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. Well, 
We've been waiting for this game for a long... 12 years. <laughs> it's been 12 years since Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. I kept thinking for the last at least a couple of years I wanted it on my, my Christmas wish list. But um, so, no, it sounds exciting. We're happy that we're going to be able to have a chance to look at that. Um, next month as well. So this is very cool. Yeah. If, if you don't know what Kingdom Hearts is, it's a video game uh, that's, it takes place kind of in a Final Fantasy type world, but it has, it's all Disney. Uh, they visit all these different lands and they're all Disney lands. They're different, not Disneyland, but Disney <laughs> worlds. Okay. No, not Disney world. <laughs> Disney planet. I don't yeah. know. Whatever you want to call it. Places. So, you know, they've gone to different places. They've gone to Pirates of the Caribbean. They've been to Tarzan. They've been to Hercules. Yeah, a lot been, of movies. A lot of different movie scenes. places. Uh, this year, they're adding Toy Story, Tangled, Big Hero 6, and Frozen to some of the ones that they've already visited in the past. Um, you're always accompanied by uh, Donald and Goofy and Mickey Mouse <laughs> makes an appearance. King Mickey. Oh, um, and when we first saw this, we're like, oh, is this going to be the Void? Uh, yeah. Because, hey, Void... I think that people would pay a lot of money to be yes. able to wield the keyblade. Right. So if you're thinking about doing something, I say, I'm telling you, I mean, I appreciate the Star Wars ones. I really want to do that. You know, the the Wreck It Ralph one. Yes, I want to do that. But if I could wield the keyblade and have come up, someone come up to me and say, Sora, Donald, Goofy, I would be thrilled by this. <laughs> right. Anyway, it's it's a it's a fun game for all ages. It's you know there is some light violence, but you're 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 fighting against creatures that are not living. So it's not like you know it's a Disney thing. It's yeah, very Disneyfied. It's not with guns. Yeah, or, you it's, know. it's very Disneyfied. Um, I don't know. Right, right. Well, like you said, you have a wheel, uh, a keyblade, and that's kind of what's mm-hmm. you know your the way you can battle. Yeah. Anyway, it's a fun game. The other ones are out. You know, you can still find them out there. Matter of fact, some of them are combined together so you can mm-hmm. just buy one and it'll have all the copies in within it. Right. Um, and the new one is coming out uh, next month, January 25th of 2019 and we're, we'll be first in line to get that yes, game. Yes, definitely. And yeah, get, get the PS4 going. That's right. That's right. So those are my Disney stories of the week. Michelle, please, let's get <laughs> to your Disney story of the week. Well, thank you, honey. I appreciate it. So um, first of all, I wanted to give a couple updates. The first update is on the Share Your Ears ah, campaign. Yes. You know, And you may recall that that campaign involved um, the promise of the Disney company donating $5 for every hashtag Share Your Ears on social media that was notified. Um and it was for up to a million dollars. Well, this past week, the Disney company announced that they are donating $3 million wow. to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So they've really um, upped their game nice. on solidifying. Very nice. And good know. job by all you out there getting your, right. your ears on and with the hashtag share your ears. Good job. Definitely. Had some really great ones. Um, the other bit of news, it's not really a news thing, new news, but it's something to remind everybody that um, there's a reimagined restaurant opening up at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. Um, actually a week from today. So it'll be December um, 16th that it's supposed mm-hmm. to be opening. So the restaurant, formerly known as Artist Point, has been transformed, um, and it's gonna it's been closed, and been transformed to storybook dining at Artist Point with Snow White. And as I mentioned, opening December 16th, and it is a character dining option in, for dinner time. It's themed to be an enchanted forest where you have Snow White, uh, Dopey and Grumpy, uh, come around to the tables and, and see you. And then also, if you're a villain fan, uh, the queen reportedly will be available for photos as well. Um, it 
It's going to have a fixed price menu. Uh, the appetizers and desserts are served as a sampling for the whole table to try out. Um, and obviously you get a, your choice of entree. Um, it, looking at the menu that they've posted already on, on their website really has some yummy and fun sounding options. Um, I'm personally looking forward to the Hunter's Pie Appetizer and Bashful's Butter Poach Snapper. So, that does um, sound good. Yeah, yeah. I must be hungry. I know. <laughs> I know I am. Um, but anyways, uh, they do have some unique themed cocktails that go with the whole, um, you know, theme there. But I, it was also very happy. I was uh, personally happy to hear that they are going to have their wine selection still featuring some of the, the wonderful wines that come out of Oregon and Washington State. Mm, so Beautiful. Yeah. Um, another piece of news is, and I don't know if you've heard of Snowball Express, yeah. um, but it, it's actually uh, this foundation that, and now Gary Sinise Foundation uh, took it over not too long ago, um, and they have put together uh, an annual trip for what are gold star families. And if you don't know what a gold star family, it's a family that has suffered the loss of somebody um, who's, who's lost their life uh, serving in the military. So every December, uh, the foundation hosts a five-day experience. Um, so this year, they are going to Walt Disney World. Oh, yeah, cool. it's very, very cool. Um, they're, they're having over 1,700 kids um, be involved and some go with you know their surviving parent and they just get to have a lot of support from other families that are really the ones that can understand and bond with them of knowing what's going going on in their lives and that you know it really gives them a way to kind of gives them permission to have fun over the holidays which might you know typically you know be overshadowed by the sadness and grief so American Airlines was also a sponsor this year in fact they had 12 charter flights departing from, I'm getting teared up, <laughs> uh, from numerous cities. Um, if you go online, if you look at it, and there's some um, pictures out there, uh, there was one from Salt Lake City, and it had, um, they, they allowed on the tarmac um, a bunch of military volunteers who lined up saluting. Aww. And I know, I know, I'm such a wimp. No, um, I'm the wimp. <laughs> But they were you, saluting. You know, it's, you know it's heartbreaking if Michelle breaks. I because, know, uh, I know. <laughs> if it's me, it's like, oh, okay, you know what, a fly. Right. You know, and we, I'm not we, even we, looking at the picture, but yeah. I, I have the picture I could show you. But, um, you know, it just has a line of them. They're all saluting. You know, they're in uniform, but they have these giant banners um, saying, have a fun trip, you know. Aww. so That's so sweet. Yeah. Um, and lastly, I don't know if you know this, but there is a new princess at the Walt Disney oh, Resort. Really? Yes. A new princess. A new princess. And you may recall, this is another update uh, from a few podcasts ago. We talked that the Disney company was inviting people to uh, take part in voting in the name for a new baby giraffe that was uh. born at the Disney Animal Kingdom. Yes, I remember that story. Yes. Well, they announced this week that uh, the name that was elected was Amira, which means princess in Swahili. Mm. And so Amira had been uh, backstage bonding with her mother, but until recently, she finally made her debut uh, at the Kilimanjaro Safari Savannah. So if you're out there on that, that attraction, you might be able to catch a view of the new Disney princess. 
For a second there, I was hoping that maybe my dream had come true and they were finally going to name me a Disney <laughs> I princess. I know, right? Just keep uh, waiting, uh, honey. Just keep, keep trying, waiting. But, uh, no, that's fantastic. And uh, yes, it's always great when you get on the, uh, the Kilimanjaro Safari and you happen to see some of the baby animals out there because they are just adorable. Yes. It's so cute. So yeah. Uh, yeah, be on the lookout for Amira when you're out there for sure. Yeah, definitely. So. so. That's it. That's your stories. Yeah, yeah. Except here, I wanted to see your reaction. See, that's the Aww, picture I was talking about. That's a, that is sweet. That is yeah. A sweet so picture. we'll. I'll try to post that out yeah. there. Um, you know, showing you know the people on the tarmac. Um, you know, kind of seeing off the the people going on that trip. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really nice. That's yeah. A, the, yeah, all those stories are really nice stories, but that one especially is uh, very nice for those gold star families. Yeah. So, so. Uh, so those are our stories of the week. Uh, we are just, you know, hey, we just like to hear ourselves talk, apparently, because we're, <laughs> this is, again, we keep breaking records. This is the longest episode ever, but we do have, we can't get out of here without giving you a tip that might help you on your next vacation. And we always start with Michelle because she has the best tips and look at her. She's stunning. Well, you can't Aww. see her, but just take my word for it. <laughs> she is stunning looking and she always has great tips. You're so sweet, baby. I appreciate it. Um, so this this week's trip, ugh, now I can't even talk. <laughs> this week's tip may sound a bit trivial, but um, very often I've seen and experienced the negative outcome of not following this tip. So whether you're spending a day at a Disney park or at the Disney cruise on a Disney cruise, really set time aside to rest, uh, take a nap. If it's an all adult trip, maybe consider a spa treatment. But um, we know that, you know, the Disney experiences are fun and exciting and you want to experience so much of it and as much as possible. Um, but in the long run, you can easily get worn down and then you're really not appreciating all the fun that you're having because you're just worn out. And, and I think all of us have been uh, in some of these situations and may have seen, you know, people losing their temper or kids crying, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, you know, you don't want to, to have the fun being spoiled. So it's really, you know, making sure you factor in time to take a little break from all the, the fun and all the hustle and bustle. Um, if you can't get out of a park, so let's say you've gone to the park for the day, you don't have a, a resort to go to, consider some activities that can, you know, pull you out from, you know, all the hustle and bustle. So, you know, whether it's taking a longer ride like on the train or an attraction or kind of like what we do a lot of times now is at Disneyland we go to the tasting terrace mm -hmm. so you know you're you're brings you up above a level you get to overlook the park and see it but it really gives you that downtime to kind of regroup and refresh um, we've been on Disney cruise with various family members with kids of different ages and sadly we've seen you know we all get engrossed in all the activities and go, go, go that we've seen a lot of times the kids missing, you know, the pirate deck party or even the fireworks because it's just they've gone all day. Even so, some of the shows sometimes because right. they're just too worn out and there's just too much going on. Right. They, they and it's a lot them. of stimuli. So, you know. The tip here is you, you want to continue to enjoy your day, whether it's a day at the park or, you know, a day on the cruise ship. Um, and you want to make the most of it. Plan that downtime. You know, I know you talk about hydration, which is a really important part of the, this as well. But, but having that break from all that stimuli can just rejuvenate you to have a better time extended out there. Yeah, and we've all seen it. We've seen the 
Well, as you mentioned, the the parents that you know the kids are too tired, the parents are too tired, right. and you can just tell that things aren't going to go right. Right. You don't want that. To, you don't want to see that for one, but you also don't want it to happen to you. Yes. So you know, it's definitely if you can find ways to rest, you know, and just get it, just little bits and pieces here and there. Carousel progress, great long fifteen right. minute sit down ride. You know, the people mover. Makes feel harmonic. Yeah. Uh, Great sit-down attractions where you can kind of relax for a little bit and just kind of rejuvenate, but you're still at the park and you're still having fun. Of course, you can always go back if you're on, stay on a property to your resort and relax for a little bit, but just find different ways to kind of do that. And sure. I think that's a great tip. So, Thank you. Very nice. My tip of the week uh, is going to be a quick one here. This week in Southern California, we got what we rarely get, <laughs> and that is we had a fair amount of rainfall yes. for us. You know, not for most of the rest of the country, but for us, we had a fair amount of rainfall, and that included the Disneyland Resort had a lot of rain. Now, if you're going to Florida, you go to the Walt Disney World Resort, yes, it rains Almost all the time out there, you prepare for it. But you should also be prepared if you're going to the Disneyland Resort. And how you should prepare for rainy days is pretty simple. One, you know, watch the weather reports. Know going into what your day might look like. If you see rain on there, fine. You can decide you don't want to go. But I would suggest toughing it out, going for it. Now, just be sure you're equipped for it. Make sure you have jackets. Make sure you have ponchos. Make sure you have an umbrella. Uh, you may even want to bring a change of clothes that you can put in a locker or something there. They do right. rent out lockers that you can put your clothes in. If you get soaked, you can change into dryer clothes, especially like socks, because you know how your shoes will get wet, even if you are covered up. Right. A uh, fresh pair of socks, you know, dry socks will help you uh, a lot of times. Uh, if it does rain while you're at the park, you know, the, hey, that can be a little tough, but it also can be great for you because the park, a lot of times, will empty out. Either people will go run for cover or they'll just go back to their resorts or whatever. Right. And then suddenly a lot of these attractions open up for you. So if you have this stuff, you have this equipment, you can deal with the weather, that can help you in a lot of ways. Better yet, if you are going to be wet anyways, <laughs> why not go on some of these attractions where you're going to get wet? So True. go on Splash Mountain, go on uh, the Grizzly River Run, go on the Collie River Rapids, you know, because those are rides that are regularly walked out soaked, but you're already soaked. Who cares? You know, Hopefully right. you brought that change of clothes anyway. <laughs> Um, you can take the time and go shopping, although a lot of people do that, but that's a place. You can go to some of these places that are kind of slow and undercover that you just talked about. Right. You know, like at the Disneyland Resort, you can go to the Animation Academy and learn how to draw your favorite character. Right. Go to Turtle Talk with Crush. Go get a bite to eat. A lot of people are doing that as well, but that's another way. Do you know, anything that you can do to dodge the rain, fine, but just take advantage of it. Be prepared. Uh, we always talk about this. Being prepared is the key thing when you go to these parks. Absolutely. And, you know, like you said, it, you know, it, it just having that preparation to make sure your day goes a little bit smoother and taking advantage of the fact that whether you're talking Disneyland on the West Coast or Walt Disney World, we do see a lot of decline in people being in attendance uh, when there is rain. And so that, that can be your, your ticket to get through a lot of things quicker as well. Yeah. And by the way, I'm, we're talking about rain specifically, but just weather in general. Be prepared weather-wise, whether it be it's going to be 95 and 100 million percent humidity, <laughs> you know, which can often be in Florida. Florida, or whether it's going to get down to chilling temperatures into the 40s, right. which it didn't happen that long ago at the Walt Disney World Resort and can happen here in California as well. You know, just depending on what the weather is, just be prepared for what you're looking to and, and you can maybe sculpt your day around that. Just, you know, like I said, be prepared, look in, do some homework. Right. It'll help you in the long run. Absolutely. Preparation. That's the key. Preparation. And I like your idea about the locker too, because that's a, that's mm-hmm. a you know, useful tool that, you know, have that spare clothes and that you can you know quickly 
do a, a change. And what's really nice here in California Adventure, uh, they have those lockers right near the restroom. So that's a double convenience. Absolutely. No question about that. So be prepared and you'll be ready to go when you go to the parks. And that's it. Finally, long episode. <laughs> uh, we are just one of those people that we just, apparently our podcast just has to go long. So we're just <laughs> going to be fine with that. I'm trying to be fine with it. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm not really fine with it, but I'm trying to be fine with it because I think we talk about important things and hopefully you all, you stuck around with us this long. Hopefully you must love listening to us and we appreciate you all about that. Uh, next week, uh, finally, we're going to get to do it. We're going to be able to give you our full spoiler-free review of Mary Poppins Returns. We are so excited to do that because we have so much to say about this movie. Uh, If you don't want to wait that long, I mentioned it earlier, our written review will be coming out on Wednesday, December 12th at noon Eastern time on WDWNT.com. You can check out there. We'll be expanding on that, of course, on the podcast. So if you want to read it and listen to the podcast, uh, you can obviously do both or just wait to the podcast. We're fine either way. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at Hyperion Podcast on Twitter, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And if you ever want to contact us for any other reason, you can email us at Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you found us today. Find us in the future on 1057max.com under the Max Plus tab and on the Max FM app. And better yet, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and or Stitcher, whatever way is best for you. We appreciate it. We love all our subscribers. We love anybody who listens to us. All our Hyperion adventurers out there, we love you all. Exactly, exactly. And we do love hearing from you, and we love the things that you share with us. A lot of creativity out there, a lot of fun people that uh, seem to share our passion for Disney. So thank you again. We really love you all. Thanks for listening to an extremely long episode. We appreciate that you stuck through us all the way to the end of this one. Uh, We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. But until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.